Welcome to the RSCC podcast. Thanks for joining us today. My name's Adam and I'm on staff here at RSCC. Here at RSCC, we believe that you matter and that God loves you so much. If you want to know more about RSCC or to keep up with what's going on, follow us on social media at RSCC Family or visit our website at rsccfamily.org. We would love to connect with you. I hope you enjoy the message today. Well, good morning. It's great to be back together with you again. If you don't like what I say today, uh, they just keep asking me back. I was here for 13 years, and they knew what they were going to get when they they invited me here. So don't blame me. uh, Blame them. I'm going to do something a little bit different today. Uh, I want to take us on a journey uh, that's going to kind of dig a little bit deeper. So sit on the edge of your seat, don't get settled in, because we're going to have to study through some things to to really find some discoveries today. I want to talk to you about the gospel. And uh, that's a big word and a confusing word, so that's a good place to start. I I want you to think for a second, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word gospel? All right, turn to somebody close to you, whatever, just tell them, hey, what's the first thing? Just take a minute, we're allowed to talk in church, it's okay. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Tell them right next to you. Nobody's sitting by next to them. I can't see what's going on. They're, oh, we're, we're not allowed to talk in church. Okay, I'll, let's go on. Uh, here's what you're going to say. Here's what's going in your mind. The thing that's going through your mind is you're thinking of something churchy. You know, you're thinking Jesus, the Bible, books of the Bible. A lot of people know good news is what the, the, the word literally means. That's what you, you think. And in a room like this, I would assume that we're all, we've all heard something about the gospel. Um, but, but the real question that comes to us is, well, what is the gospel, really? What is it? Now, I'm not going to ask you to share that because that can be a little bit tricky to nail down. Somebody said, if you ask 12 Christians what the gospel is, you're going to get 13 different answers because there's the, all these different kinds of ideas or ways to express us. But we know that it's important. We know that something's kind of basic in our faith, and, and we should know more about it. But the truth is, over time, it kind of loses its clarity for us. And, and, and we begin to make assumptions about it that may or may not be true. It may surprise you, though, to, to learn that the, the, the word gospel is not a religious word. It's not at all a religious word. Uh, it was uh, very commonly used in her history long before the Bible was written. It was something that was as common as a, a political term that was borrowed by the biblical writers to describe this new concept that Jesus was bringing to the world. I want to show you something here. This, this, this is actual artifact. This is actually a, a, a piece of, of stone that has etchings in it that was an inscription that uses the word gospel. A little part that's circled right there is, is euangelion, which is, is the Greek word for, for gospel. This was actually found, and I want to read for you what this inscription, if it was uh, totally uh, translated, this is what that inscription says. The providence which has created the whole of our life, showing zeal and concern, has ordained the most perfect consummation of human life by giving it to him, by filling him with virtue for doing the work of a benefactor among men, and by sending him as if it were a savior to us 
and those who come after us, to make wars to cease, to create peace everywhere. The birthday of the God was the beginning of the world of the gospel that was come to men through him. That's what that, that piece of stone says found in ancient world. Any guess who that was about? It's kind of weird language, right? But kind of familiar expressions, some, the tone of it. Do you know who that's about? Well, not who you think. That was written about Caesar Augustus on the day that he was born. Just a little baby born to be the eventual emperor of Rome. That was said about him. It wasn't a religious comments, but it sounded kind of religious, didn't it? Saviors and saving the world and bringing hope and peace and all that stuff. All those things that we hear in our gospel about Jesus is written there. So what, what, what's going on here? What, what is this word that we think was a religious term, but really maybe isn't? Well, we go where we always we need to go where we always go for answers. Wikipedia, right? Listen to what Wikipedia says. The term gospel was used at the time of the Roman Empire to herald the good news of the revival of a king or kingdom. The reign of a king that brought a war to an end, so that all the people of the world who surrendered and pledged allegiance to this king would be granted salvation from destruction. Anytime a king conquered, they, they had good news. They had a gospel proclaimed to say, hey, you give your allegiance to this king because it's a new day. And, and this king is going to bring good things into your place. So this word we see as religious or churchy actually originates with the broader imagery of kings and kingdoms. That's what it's all about. If you look just directly at the word gospel, the word gospel comes from a Greek word that's euangelion, which is two different words, ou meaning good, and angelion meaning announcement. So when you hear the word gospel, the literal translation of that word is good announcement, or better, uh, uh, more often said, good news, or, or probably the best translation of it is breaking news, you know, kind of at the 11 o'clock news, breaking news, we got something to happen, something big has happened, we want to tell you this big news. And so when we ask the question, what's the gospel, we've got to begin to ask ourselves, well, what is the good news? What is the, the good announcement? What is the breaking news that we proclaim here in, in the Bible or in, in, in our church? If you think about it in those terms, could you explain the gospel in just one sentence? Well, that's kind of hard too. I mean, there's old books written about it, right? How could, how could I do the whole gospel in, in just one sentence? That's kind of hard to do. But that's exactly what Jesus did in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. You see it on the screen. Listen to these words that, that Mark wrote about Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry. And John was put in prison, and Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news, the gospel of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Believe the gospel. Now, no wonder Jesus was so popular. That's the sort of sermon I've ever heard, right? Uh, but this is not the exact words that what Jesus said, but, but what Mark was saying is, hey, everywhere he went, he's saying the same thing. 
Everywhere he went, he had the same focus, the same proclamation. This was the good news that he was doing. And, and, and uh, it all boiled down to, to, to this simple phrase of what Jesus was saying. And so let's dig into that a little deeper and see if we can understand what, what it was that Jesus was getting at. I think the first thing that you notice there is that word time. He said, the time has come. What's that mean? Time has come. Well, Jesus has shown up, right? The time has come. There's two words that the Bible uses for, for, for time. One is chronos, which is like uh, events, uh, the events in time. You know, it's time for lunch. It's time to put the kids to bed. Uh, it, it's, it's chronology. That's where we get that word, chronology, from chronos. It's events in time. Another word is kairos. And a kairos is a moment. A kairos is the birth of your child. The, your wedding day, you know, the day you got that big promotion. It's a moment that you remember, you, that you get excited about. Jesus uses the word kairos. This is a moment, he's saying. Right here, this is a moment. I, I, I tell this story when I, when I, I share, share this concept when I talk overseas with different people, and I, I always have an illustration. I didn't do it with you because I don't have enough M&Ms to share, but I'd get a, a big bowl of M&Ms, a glass bowl of M&Ms. I'd put them in there, and you know, you could see all the different colors, and everybody loves M&Ms, right? And you, your mouth begin to wonder, and I said, this bowl is M&Ms. I mean, this bowl is, sorry, this bowl is Kronos. This is what, what Kronos is. It's a bunch of events. That's your life. It's all these events, all these things that happen. And then I, I'll reach into the bowl and take one of those M&M out and put it in my mouth. And, oh, savor the sweet nectar of the gods. And M&Ms are perfect food. And I said, that is a Kairos. It's experiencing something special. Now, I think that's pretty clever, and, and I expect the people that hear that to, to, to be, be just enthralled by what I'm thinking. These people live in poverty. They're looking at me and saying, why is that fat gringo eating the M&Ms and not sharing any with us? That's what they're thinking. I know that's what they're thinking. But, but that's the concept. We have all these time, all these events, all these things that go in our life, but there are certain moments that are special, that are unique. And Jesus was saying, hey, this is the moment. So what's the gospel? Well, according to Jesus, what's the gospel in one sentence? You can see it right here in this passage. If you look in this passage, you put that up there again, the, the, the whole thing. Uh-oh, it's already jumped ahead, all right. Um, there's two, there's two uh, the word gospels, there are two times. Good news, the good news of God is there, right? It's there. But both of those point to one sentence. What is the good news? It's that the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God is here. So, according to Jesus, what's the gospel? The kingdom of God is here. That answers all our questions, right? Well, not exactly. What in the world does that mean? You never heard that before. None of you said that at the beginning when I asked you about gospel. That's not what you were thinking. That's not what we think the gospel really is. Well, that's what we're going to try to figure out today. First, it's not just one verse. You see this concept throughout the Bible. I don't know why we haven't seen it before. Or we don't take the time to recognize it. But throughout the Bible, we see the same phrase repeated over and over again. Throughout the Old Testament, the word gospel is used many times. 
every time it's used, it's in reference to a king, every time. But when you get to the New Testament, we see it very specifically. John the Baptist, who was preparing the way for Jesus, says this in Matthew 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Oh, that sounds familiar. This is before Jesus even said it. Later, when Jesus was starting his ministry, in Matthew chapter four, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is Matthew. Mark was the one that said it before. It must have been the same thing he was saying everywhere that he went. Jesus, again, at the end of his ministry, this is after his death and his resurrection in Acts chapter one, it says, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. There it is again. There it is again. Even after Jesus had left the earth in the early church at the end of Acts, Paul is still saying and teaching the same things. In in Acts 28, it says, for two years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Again and again and again, the Bible talks about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, a friend of mine and I have, have uh, developed a, a course that we call Gospel Foundations. And all that I'm talking to you about is a part of that. Um, it's a seven-week course. Uh, we're not going to go that long or go that deep. Today's just a taster in some of these things. But, but we have taught this to hundreds of leaders uh, in three different languages. And, and all of them say, what? I never heard that before. Why, why hasn't someone been telling us what this is all about? It's all about this idea that Jesus said from the very beginning that we sometime, somehow have lost track of. And we gotta get this question answers. What is the kingdom of God? And what does that mean to me? I think one of the ways to answer that is to ask what the kingdom of God is not, right? And maybe that'll help us a little bit. You see, the kingdom of God is not a future place. You know, that's where we immediately go. Well, he's talking about heaven, right? The kingdom of heaven, right? That, that's in heaven where, where we go when we die. Well, uh, not exactly. Because in, in that passage we read in, in Mark, Jesus said the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Okay? The time has come when? Now. Now's the time, Jesus said. Not some future time. And he said, it's not somewhere over there. It's here. It's here. Now, he said this everywhere, so here was different places and different times, and what? It's not some future place. Think again about what Jesus taught us to pray in the model prayer. He said we should pray, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, just like it is in heaven. We're praying for something to happen here now in our lives, not just some future thing that we don't know or can't experience yet. So it's not a future place, and it's not an institution. That's the other quick answer that we come to is, oh, that, well, he's talking about the church. Well, yeah, kind of. If you're talking about the people who come under obedience of Jesus, yes, that's the kingdom of God. But, but often when we hear the word church, we're thinking of an institution. 
And the problem with institutions is that they always gravitate toward rules and power, and that is destructive and no good. The Israelites did that. They thought the kingdom of Israel, the nation of Israel, was what all was about. They got lost in the institution of that. In the very beginning, they said they wanted a king, and God said, you don't want a king. I don't, you don't need a king. He said, no, we want a king like all the other nations. And God warned them against him because he said, you're not going to like where that goes because institutionally it led to corruption and problems, and it led the Israelites in the wrong direction. And I think too often the church has disappointed and lost its way, the institutional church today. And a lot of us struggle with that. A lot of us can't get past that institutional issue and we lose the picture of what the kingdom of God is really. That's not what we're talking about here. The kingdom of God is not a future place. It's not an institution and it's not me-centered so much of what we think about the gospel is, oh, he came to die for me. It's my sins and, 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 and that, that I'm gonna go here and here's my plans. Here's what I'm gonna do for God. Here's all the things that, it's not about you. The kingdom of God is about a king. It's about his absolute authority and our exact obedience and, and the total control that he wants to take over our lives and our world. That's what the kingdom of God is. So if it's not any of those things, what does it mean to talk about the kingdom of God? I wanna give you a really quick definition. The kingdom of God is God's reign and rule. It's any place that God is controlling. You know, you think about the word presidency. You know, I didn't necessarily vote for him, you say, but, but, but that, that presidency covers uh, 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 those who are under that authority, right? That, that presidency is a broader thing than an institution. That, that, that's the kind of word that the kingdom of God is all about. We talk about the kingdom of God, it's anyone who's under the reign and rule of God. I love the, the Monty Python search for the Holy Grail. Totally inappropriate movie. Don't go search it up or anything like that. But I love it. Okay, that's my sin. That's, uh, I deal with it. Um, but I, that, that, that movie from years and years ago, there's a, there a scene in the movie where King Arthur comes riding up. It's, if you don't know, it's a crazy, just a crazy comedy kind of thing. Lots of stuff in it. King Arthur comes running up to this peasant who's digging in the dirt and he starts to bark out some mar uh, 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 orders and he said, wait, wait, who are you? And he said, I'm Arthur, king of the Britons. And he said, who? I am your king. And the peasant looks up from the dirt and says, well, I never voted for you. That's our mindset toward kingdoms. You know, we're democracy. Man, I didn't vote for you. I don't have to follow all those rules. I don't have to do that thing. That's not what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is anybody who comes under the reign and rule of God. And if you want to paint a picture, I think you can paint it with these two little worlds that you see up here. Um, there's two worlds, there's two kingdoms, there's, there's two places, whatever you want to call those in our world today, heaven and earth. And again, this is not a specific place as much as it is as, as a, a state of mind, it's a place of being, it's, it's the reign and rule of these places. Well, the Bible says in the beginning, back in the, the Garden of Eden, those two were together, right? 
The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth were to God. God created the world. He inhabited it. They all hang out together. They were naked in the Garden of Eden. Everybody was fine. Everything was provided for. There was peace. There was beauty. There was eternity within it. It was all right and all together. Well, it didn't stay that way, did it? No, sin stepped into the world and separated these kingdoms. Now, we get kind of lost on this a little bit because our image of that picture is that God is this authoritative person that says, well, I'm going to punish you for breaking my rules. That's not the mindset of God at all. That's not the heart of God. And a lot of us get tripped out on God because we think of him that way. That's not who he was. That's not who he is. No, the natural consequences of not being under the reign and rule of God and his kingdom is to be in your own kingdom where you were the king. That was the choice that Adam and Eve made. I'm going to choose to be my own king. I'm not going to be under the reign and rule of God. And the natural consequences of that was death and disease and all the things that we see going wrong, the injustice and the brokenness everywhere that we see in our world. That's what happens when we're in charge. That's what it becomes. And God was just as grieved by that decision as we were. He's always been calling us into his kingdom. But when Jesus came, he said, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. It's here. It's coming. And the whole message of Jesus was to bring the kingdom of God back into our world. And what we see is the kingdom of God is pushing this into the kingdom of this earth. And it's making inroads. It's it's not all there. It's not Garden of Eden. We sure haven't achieved that yet. But what Jesus said, I have come to do, is to bring these kingdoms back together. It's to bring the world under the reign and the rule of King Jesus. Uh, N.T. Wright, who is a uh, theologian and author, very well known, said, our culture is so fixated on dying and going to heaven when the whole scriptures is about heaven coming to earth. And if you look through the scriptures, you will see that's the story of scripture is that heaven is coming to earth. Heaven wants to break in to what's going on here. So somewhere there's this disconnect in what we are and who we are as a church today in 2023 and what they experienced there in the Bible. You see, in the scriptures, the gospel isn't just something you tell people about. The gospel is also something that we demonstrate here and now by the way it transforms people and communities. Don't take my word for it. Look at what Jesus did. Look at how, he didn't talk about people going to heaven. He didn't, he he was all about the kingdom of God. He, He didn't try to convince people they were sinners. No, in fact, he was accused of being the friend of sinners. Now, Jesus' quarrel was with the religious leaders who'd set up an entire system of their own on how to get to heaven, and they were in control. They were the kings, Trouble is it totally ignored the reign and rule of God. And Jesus said, the time has come, the kingdom of God is here. I'm gonna change that. I'm gonna push in to this world. Problem is, if we're not careful, we can do the same thing 
make the same mistakes those before us made. See, if you want to look at a more complete gospel, you look at the way that Jesus did it. See, in, in his preaching, he proclaimed the kingdom of God. In his teaching, he explained the kingdom of God. In his uh, parables, he illustrated the kingdom of God. But then in his miracles and, and his uh, redemptive acts, he demonstrated the effects and impact of the kingdom of God. And that's the two things that I think you begin to see there, proclamation and demonstration. That's the complete gospel. We spend a lot of time proclaiming. We spend a lot of time preaching. But we don't see enough demonstration of the kingdom of God in our world today. Because all of what Jesus was doing was centered around that announcement. The kingdom of God is here. You see, if you want to get really practical with it, this idea of what it looks like when the kingdom is pushing into our world, you've got to begin to see it this way. I don't know if these, script, these slides are working out. Uh, jump, jump ahead to that one. Are, are you seeing these? Ah, uh, see, no, not exactly. Okay. I, I got animation in the slides. It didn't translate over into this. So uh, I'll, I'll try to get this to work out the best I can. Uh, Here's what you see is in, in, um, in the earth, what you see is broken families and poverty and addiction and, and violence, abuse, racism. You can put any number of things, all the brokenness that we see in our world. We feel that, right? We get that because we're living under our, our kingdom, the kingdom of this world. And what, what Jesus said is, I want to break in and push into that. And what happens is, when the kingdom of God pushes into a world like that, everything begins to change. Oh, and everything gets all confused together. That's not the way it's supposed to look. Um, where where health, uh, broken families get, get healthy again. Where, where poverty, it turns to generos generosity. Where addiction becomes freedom. Where compassion, uh, I mean, where... Um, uh, violence turns into compassion, where, where abuse becomes blessings, where racism turns into unity. All those things are changed when we come under the authority uh, of the reign and the rule of God. What Jesus was saying the gospel was about was the kingdom of God pushing into our world, our communities, our families, and having an impact that is miraculous and so different. Now I know we say, well, I'm, I'm not Jesus. I don't, I don't have that special power. I, how, do, how, do, how do we expect to see that kind of miraculous things here? But Jesus said, I'm leaving to the Holy Spirit. You're gonna do more than I did. More than I did. I wanna tell you a story about David uh, in Honduras, San, San Pedro Sulu, Honduras, uh, one of the places where I work with Lifeline Christian Mission. Um, David was a, a, a police officer. If you turn to the picture, uh, um, I don't know which picture I've got up first. Yeah, this is the, the, the fruit stand that we uh, help, our vegetable stand that we helped him to create. David, David was a, a police officer and during COVID he lost his job. Right, didn't have anywhere to go. He'd always dreamed of having like a little grocery store or something like that, tried to start one, totally failed. And uh, he's just throwing up his hand, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna feed my family? 
And we had developed a program uh, at Lifeline where, uh, of, of economic empowerment where we give microloans to, to young business people and, and, and help them to, to establish some kind of income within their life. People say a lot of times, why, why do you waste your time doing that? Well, it's about the kingdom of God pushing into communities. That's what it's all about. Well, David came to one of our courses. He, he got the training to do that. He uh, began to, to uh, get a loan, and he started, this is his fruit stand, uh, our vegetable stand, right on the side of the road, right out in front of his house. It's right on this dusty, dirty kind of road. Uh, this this it really looks pretty nice, to be honest with you, uh, uh, in, in the midst of this uh, community, and he began to develop that. And they developed partnerships, uh, mentorships through this, um, and he began to have friends within that that taught him and helped him to run his business. And, and now he has this thriving business. If you switch to the next side, you see a picture of David. He's the guy in, in the, the gray T-shirt right there in the middle. The other guys are pastors and, and leaders from our ministry. That little red uh, truck, it's a motorcycle front and a truck on the back. That's the loan that we got him was to help him to buy purchase, to purchase vegetables in the market hours away. He can drive that back and forth, which helped to unleash his ability to have this business and thriving business. In August, I was there and got a chance to see it. We had a group of people from different countries that were coming to see and kind of experience what was going on because we're trying to get people to do this stuff. And so uh, he told his story, and this is that moment where I took this picture. He was just telling all of us about it. And in the middle of this conversation, you know, they were talking about all the finances and how he did this and how he pays all his bills and he's just beaming from ear to ear so proud and gave us all little fruit salads in a little cup because he wanted us to taste how good his fruit was and then he got his 12 year old son next to him and, and and he said let me tell you what this really means to me this means hope he said when you live in poverty there is no hope there's no hope of a job. There's no hope of a future. There's no hope for anything. And he said, I'd given myself over to that. I'd, I realized that that's who I was and where I was going to be. But my young son, I couldn't bear not passing hope on to him. What this business means to me is that my son has hope. That's good news. In our world today, especially in the developing world, poverty and insecurity and all those violence, all that stuff is so rampant and so in control. There is no hope there. And yet David is making an impact in his community because people are saying, look at what God did in his life. David's a Christian and he tells them, Jesus did this. And they want to hear about that Jesus too. See, that is practically how the kingdom of God pushes in to our world. It's happening today, right there in David's life. Now, I trained the leaders that, that run that economic empowerment program. I helped set it up. I, I did all the budgets and did all this stuff to put it in there. That's not my work. Only the Holy Spirit can come in and change lives and communities with hope. Only the Holy Spirit. See, what we're looking for is a more complete gospel that doesn't just proclaim the truth about Jesus, 
but that demonstrates the difference that the kingdom can have in lives. And you don't have to go to, to San Pedro Sulu, Honduras. You can do that in Rising Sun, Indiana. You can do that today. There's one simple question that you've got to answer. Who is your king? Who is your king? I think a lot of us look at what's happening in our world today and man, it's, it's upsetting, right? It is. But there's no need for us to wring our hands. No need for us to, to scratch our heads and say, who in the world should I vote for? There's no need for us to, to, to throw our hands up in the air and say, what am I gonna do about it? No. The only thing we've gotta do is come under the reign and rule of King Jesus and begin to say, I, I, want, I want to push the kingdom into my family. I want to push the kingdom into my community. I want to push the kingdom into my church. That's what I want to be and do. Look at what Jesus said back in that original passage in Mark. He said, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. Now, I don't think he's meaning what you think he means because we talk about believing and repenting a lot in church. Repent literally means to turn. And what Jesus was saying is give up on being king. Quit trying to be the king of your own kingdom and come under the reign and rule of God. You've got to believe the good news. You've got to believe that there's only one king that can make a difference in your family, in your life, in your addictions, in racism, in, in, in social injustice, in, in poverty, in all those things in the world that we throw up our hands and we don't have any idea what to do about. There's only one king who can push into that and make a difference. And I'm telling you, that is good news. Who's your king? Who's your king? You see, part of the big journey that we're on is to, to join what God is already doing in the world. So often we throw up our hands and say, well, what am I gonna do? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I can't wait till we get our minister here. Then we'll do something. Please don't ever say that. Don't ever say that. Because that same Holy Spirit that made the difference in Honduras and made the difference in the New Testament is in you. Join what God is doing already in the world around you. I want to give you a simple prayer that I think we all ought to be praying. It's what I pray every day. Whatever you've got going on today, God, I want to be a part of it. That's a bold prayer to pray. You've got to leave margin in your life. You've got to give the space where God can begin to do things. But God's doing things around you. God's active. He's present. The kingdom of God is pushing into rising sun, Indiana. He's doing it. You just need to be a part of it. So the prayer we all need to pray is, God, whatever you've got going on, 
I want to be a part of it every day, every day. And you may not see what it does. You may not see the full implications of what that is, but you own it. You come under the reign and rule of King Jesus and let him do what he wants to do in your world. He is the king. He's got a mission and a plan. He's already at work, already at work. You don't have to think it up. You don't have to decide whatever you got going on today, God. We want to be part of it. Let's say a prayer together. God, I, I don't know how it is that we get so far off track or how we, we miss things so easily. Seems so clear that your, your scripture just says very vividly what you want from us. Jesus put it in a sentence. The kingdom of God is here. And they didn't see it now, and we, we don't always see it. They didn't see it then, and we, we don't always see it now. But God, we want to. We don't feel worthy. We don't feel like we can do it, but it's not about us, God. It's about you. It's about your power. So we repent of being the king of our lives and the king of our church and the king of our ambitions we turn that over to you. God, whatever you've got going on in our world, we want to be part of it. Show us what your kingdom can do, God. We believe. We want to be a part. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining in with us today. We hope that you were blessed by this message and that you were drawn deeper in faith with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to continue the conversation, please feel free to email us at info at Thanks for the listen and have a great day.